And what I'm talking to you today about has actually been a topic on my mind for a while. And it's, it's grown, it's developed, it's, it's almost overgrown. Actually, I had to cut out some of it uh, so they don't keep you here all day. Uh, you're welcome for that, by the way. So what are we talking about today? Well, let's get right into it. So today, we're talking about practice. And that, that line's going to make a little bit more sense later on, but we're going to be talking about practicing following in Jesus' footsteps. We're going to talk about why it is that we need to practice. We're going to be talking about the what. What is it that we need to practice to follow in his footsteps? But to begin, I think it is important to talk about or define what practice is. And so if you Google it, Real quick, it'll tell you that practice is to perform an activity or exercise a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one proficiency. Now, plainly put, if you want to be good at something in your life, you have to practice. And typically, when we think of practice, we tie it to things like sports or hobbies, right? You want to be good at baseball. Well, you better go out and practice. But today we're going to focus on the aspect of it applying to all of your life. It starts when you're young. It's a baby, right? You've got to practice walking. As you grow a little bit older, you've got to practice riding your bike. Then you get into adulthood and things go nuts, right? There's so much to practice here. Like if you want to be good at money with your finances, well, you better practice responsible spending. You better practice budgeting. These aren't things that you're born good at. What about marriage? You want a successful marriage? Well, you better practice your issue resolution, I'll tell you what. You got to practice talking through issues. You got to practice compassion. You got to practice empathy. But today we look at practice and we talk about how can we become better Christians? How can we really become disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, you better believe, guys, that we got to go out there and we got to practice doing it. And so, small disclaimer here, you might hear this message and think, well, this is kind of a beginner's guide to Christianity. We're going to be covering pretty basic stuff. But this reminds me of my whole old high school wrestling coach, Coach Taylor. See, Coach Taylor never spent a lot of time teaching us really fancy moves or super complex techniques. He had us drill fundamentals constantly because it was his belief that basics win championships. And I got to tell you, he was a pretty successful coach. And so this gets me thinking, right, if we want to improve our ability to better this community, if we really want to succeed at helping others know God, maybe it's time we drill those fundamentals. Maybe it's time we get back to basics. So let's go. Let's jump right in. So I'm going to go a little out of order. First, I want to talk about the why. Why is it that we need to practice? You see, as Christians, we have to practice because we're not born good at things. We are not perfect. And unfortunately, I think there's this misconception 
around church. So those outside of the church looking in, for some reason, believe that Christians are perfect. You go to church, well, you must be perfect. And then you get inside the church, you start going, and then you look at the leadership of that church. Well, those people, they're perfect. They lead this church. And then you continue going to church, and for whatever reason, it's almost like, an unfor- it's unfortunate, but you start having this sense that you're better than others because you go to church. And for newcomers to come in, it's a tough hurdle because they're like, I'm not perfect. I don't belong there. I hate to burst bubbles here, guys, but we're not perfect. I most certainly myself am not perfect. Despite what my mother might tell you, I'm not perfect. There she is. See, I'll tell you what. And, And one of these things that hinders us from being perfect is ourselves. It's like we get in our own way. See, we are made in God's image. That is true, yes. But we also deal with something called human nature. And it's human nature that actually goes against God's word. Our human nature is to seek our own desires. It's to be selfish. It's to look out only for ourselves. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus says this, For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. (laughs) Help us. What have we learned so far? You're bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so so that's the bad news okay that's that's the bad news but here's the good news and I, I want you to hear me we don't have to be perfect guys it's okay if we fail you see God knows our flaws God knows our hearts and he still loves us God's grace is not something that we have to go out and pay for. Jesus paid that price for us. We are made clean by our faith in him. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. It doesn't mean that you're better than anyone else. It means we're here to serve everyone else. Now, we're going to go over a bunch of things in the what, but I want to be very clear right off the bat. This is not some long list of things that you have to do to be saved. The big point I want to get across here is even though we don't have to be perfect to receive God's grace, that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be more like Jesus. 
So if human nature leads us to be selfish, greedy, deceitful, wicked, how do we overcome that? How do we change our nature to be less human nature in more Jesus nature? Well, first and foremost, we have to realize his strength in us, that with him, we can do all things. And secondly, we got to practice doing it. We got to get out there and practice. I want everybody to think for a moment about your Christianity practice schedule. I want you to think about what that looks like. Does it look something like this? I go to church. I read the Bible. I'm a great Christian. Do I get like a plaque? Can I, it's like a plaque I can hang on my wall. So all joking aside there, I, I don't want to discount those things, okay? I love the fact that you go to church. I love the fact that you're here right now. I love the fact that you're watching online. I love the idea that you guys are diving into your Bible. Those are all great things, and I am not trying to discount that. So please don't get me wrong here. I like to joke about things. That's just who I am. And so please know those things are so important. They are so important. But I'm here to tell you there's more. There's more than that. If all Christians did, just did those things, how would the good news of Jesus spread? How would more and more people come to know God? This, this thought of I'm doing enough actually reminds me of my son, Wesley. I, I coach my son, Nolan, and Wesley's soccer team, and they are both very skilled in that area. Um, but some, Wesley's a little different. He is he's something else. He is probably one of, if not the best, kid in his league, not to toot his horn. Um, but this is something that his head coach, Scott, tells him constantly, always tells him this. And so recently, when it's time to get ready to go to practice, this is what plays out. All right, Wesley, come on, let's, let's go. Let's get your stuff ready. We got to go to practice. His reply is, I don't want to go to practice. I'm good enough. I'm I, I don't want to practice. I'll play in the games. I'll score goals, but I, I, don't, I don't want to practice. The dude's seven. <laughs> he's seven, and he's already got his human nature taking him over, saying, no, you're doing enough. You're fine. You don't need to do anything else. So I had to sit him down. I had to have a conversation with him. And we talked about, look, it doesn't matter how good you are at something. Your opponent is always working to beat you. Does that sound familiar here? If you slack off, if you don't constantly practice, come game time, you're not going to be prepared and you're going to get beat. We've constantly got to be practicing these things. And see, how it applies here is there is more to living a Christian life than just memorizing verses in the Bible and going to church. It's also about following in the footsteps of Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that we are to be his hands and feet, that we are to act. What I'm saying is that knowing something is only half of the equation. There has to be some type of action if we want to see results. And we have to practice because our human nature goes against all of these things. We have to act. What is the very next chapter in the Bible after the Gospels talk about Jesus' life and death? Acts. Guys, I don't think this is an accident. Dad joke number one. There it is. And I get it. I understand. There's times where we don't want to be out practicing these things. We're afraid. We're afraid we'll fail. We're afraid just to be seen. There's times when we're hurt, and we're like, I'm hurt. I can't practice. I get it. I've actually, I've got a fun little quip, clip that I think ties into this. Um, so let's watch it, and then we'll talk a little bit more. How's James doing? What? He says he can't practice today. He says he's hurt. Hey, James. I heard you're not going to be able to run with us today. Is that true? Yep. Why is that? Because I'm at. Really sorry to hear that. Relax, Ted. It's just practice. Hey. You can't practice, you can't practice. You're hurt, you're hurt. It's as simple as that. But it ain't about that at all. You're sitting in here, you're supposed to be the franchise player. And yet here we are talking about you missing practice. We're talking about practice. You understand me? Practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not the game you go out there and die for, right? Play every weekend like it's your last, right? No, we're talking about practice, man. Practice. You know you're supposed to be out there. You know you're supposed to lead by example. You're just shoving that all aside. And so here we are, Jamie. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not the game. We're talking about practice with your team, with your teammates. The only place that we get to play together, we got control over. Rest of the time, it's us 11 against those 11. We're talking about practice, man. I'm talking about practice. And you can't do it. Because you're hurt. Right? Fine by me. Tell you what, do me a favor. When you get out there, set the cones so the other reserves can do a little passing drill. <laughs> you want me to set up cones? I really appreciate it. <laughs> Colin, go set the cones up. I figure you asked you, mate. Was it talking to you, big man? Colin, set up the cones. Isaac's right, he asked you. You are a second teamer. <laughs> That's got a sting. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I love that show so much. See, we are to be the franchise players for Jesus. We are meant to lead by example. So that means we've got to practice through any circumstance good or bad. 
So we talked about the why. Why is it important for us to practice? Because it goes against our human nature, not born good at following Jesus in his footsteps. But now let's transition over into the what. What is it that uh, I want us to practice on? And while there is a lot that I could cover, I'm going to put on my Coach Taylor hat, and I really want to focus on the basics. And the first basic topic that we're going to cover is spending time with Jesus. It's loving him. This is, this is your prayer. This is your time to praise him. And I, I shared this with um, the group of men at the men's retreat a couple weeks ago. You might see this shirt um, around. Uh, we had a men's retreat. And during that, there was a section where we broke off into smaller groups. And we used that time to discuss what is it that we can do better in our lives as Christians. I was vulnerable with them now in saying this, so I will be vulnerable with you now in saying it. But this is an area that I personally need to work on. See, I've been, I've been re-watching the first two seasons of The Chosen, getting ready for the third. Um, and I got, guys, I got to tell you, this is a... It's a very powerful, powerful show. I don't think I've made it through an episode without tears in my eyes and just super emotional, and I've been touched by these episodes. My, my son, Nolan, would say that my eyes are getting juicy. That's what he says when his, his eyes water up. Um, but it's a truly powerful show. I'm a very visual learner, and so actually seeing this play out before you has just been... Um, it's been awesome. But the reason I bring that up is because watching that show, you see Jesus. You see the disciples, and their prayer is extraordinary. You see, as soon as they wake up, they praise him. They thank him for that day. They thank him for the experiences that they're going to go through that day. Every time they take a sip of a drink or take a bite, they're always praising him for providing him, providing that to them. And it's not some blanket statement of just, thank you, Jesus. It's true praise. You see, one of the things that's been a roadblock for me is that I, for some reason, had this thought that prayer's got to be something that's super structured, super formal. And that's just not it. We just got to talk to him. We just got to praise him. If you have nothing to say to him, then we just got to sit and be in his presence. Just take the moment out of your day and just be with him. This reminds me of my children. I love listening to them. When they come and tell me about their days, that is the best part of mine. I want to know what it is they're going through. I want to know what excites them. I want to know what makes them happy. I want to know what upsets them. And even, even more than that, when they are upset or when they are angry, I wish they'd come talk to me more. I wish that I could go through that with them, to be with them as they go through those struggles. If that's true for me and my children, how much truer, if that's a word, is it for our Heavenly Father? We just got to talk to Him. He wants you to talk to Him. He is eager to listen we can't overcomplicate this. We've got to practice talking to him. 
the next, the next topic for practice after loving him is loving others. Mm-hmm, yeah. And our basis for this comes straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, where Paul says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We've got to practice loving others. We've got to practice being patient and kind with others. This is just as simple as when you see someone in need, help them. I know it sounds really easy, but do we always do it? I can think of times back when I used to work downtown St. Louis, I'd have to drive to work every day, and there were times when I'd be driving and I'd see somebody stopped ahead of me and with car trouble. Maybe they're changing a tire, flat tire. And I have this mental battle with myself because, you know, as you drive, you see it. It's not like you pass and you're like, oh, there it was. It's way up there, right? You see it. So I have this mental battle I go through is should I help, should I not? You know, I can help them. Well, no, I've got, to, I've got a lot of work to do today. I've got to get to work. And then I pass them. And then I've got this immediate feeling of regret. I could have just helped them. I'm sure they know how to change a tire. But I could have just had them sit Why I did it for them. It's not about the what. It's the fact that I did it. They're having a bad enough day already. It's like this reminds me of the story of the good Samaritan. Unfortunately, in this scenario, I'm the bad Samaritan. Does anybody else have a story like that? Can anybody think of a time in their life where they've gone through that? Guys, maybe that's a hint that we need to start practicing this more. Love is not jealous. It's, it's speaking life into others. We have to lift others up, even when our human nature says that we need to be envious or selfish. Paul is this to say in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. If you see somebody accomplish something or obtain something that they have been working on, praise them for it. At work, if you see a coworker working hard and doing a good job, let him know. It doesn't matter how big or small. Maybe Bob in your office made a pot of coffee today, and that's the best coffee you've ever had. Let him know. Say, hey, Bob, man, that's the greatest thing I've ever tasted. Good job. Thank you, Bob. Get excited about it. Make them feel good. Speak life into others. Your friends and family, we need to constantly be letting them know how much we love them. We need to constantly be letting them know how much they matter to us. Think about all of these families and children that have, there's horrible things happening. I have to believe nobody's speaking life into them. 
Let's practice this. You see, the key to implementation here is to not just to think about doing something, but actually doing it. Again, act. If some nice gesture pops in your head, don't spend time talking yourself out of it. It doesn't matter if it's small, large, or whatever. Just do it. Let's love others by lifting them up, by being kind. Love also keeps no record of being wronged. Love is forgiving. So if we are to love others, we need to practice these things. And I tell you what, I feel like everybody has something that they can practice here. Everybody has something that they have been holding on for a long time and just will not let it go. Which is funny because as Christians, we have this faith that Jesus has saved us from our sins, yet we don't have the grace to forgive others of theirs. Jesus tells us from his sermon on the mountain, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiving. Love prospers when a fault is forgiving. But dwelling on it separates close friends. I can tell you that one of the most purest forms of love is forgiveness. The amount of relief felt by both parties here is immeasurable. For the person that was hurt, the feeling of relief when you let that transgression go, you get rid of that poison you've been holding inside of your body. You just let it go. And for the guilty, the feeling of love that overcomes you when you are forgiven is immense. There is there's nothing like it. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance for others' faults. Don't let these faults hinder your relationship with others. Love them in spite of it. Make allowance for the things that they are faulty with. How many more strong relationships could we have for people if we thought this way? Don't we think that that's probably a good way to help others know God? Because we know that he has forgiven us, so maybe it's about time we start forgiving them. Love also doesn't demand its own way. Love means no judgment. (laughs) 
And there is a lot. There is a lot I could talk about in regards to judgment. I could talk about my favorite Bible story about the lady accused of adultery as she's brought to Jesus to be stoned. And he replies with, okay, that's fine. May the first one to throw a stone be the one that never sinned. I love that story. Or I could talk about how hypocritical it is for us to judge others for their sins, yet as we believe that we are forgiven of ours. But today, I want to focus on a form of that that I think is important right now. And that is inclusion and diversity. I want to talk about how we treat others with a different culture than us. I want to talk about how we treat people that have different views than us. I want to talk about how we treat people with different lifestyles than us. It can be even as easy as a different political view. The Bible tells us we are to love others as we do ourselves. It doesn't say we love others who are the same as ourselves. In James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether or not it applies to you. God alone, who gave the laws to judge, he alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What right do we have to judge our neighbors? See, one of the ways Jesus' ministry was defined, one of the things that made it so beautiful was its diversity. Look at the disciples. They weren't like Jesus. They didn't have the same lifestyle as Jesus, yet he chose them. He chose them to follow him. Jesus didn't didn't come to save just Jewish people. He died on the cross to save us all from our sins, from all sin. I feel like I feel like the world has gotten to such a distorted place that it's not okay to love somebody that isn't like you, that doesn't look like you or doesn't think like you. We got to practice setting the world straight here, guys. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to agree with everybody. Okay, that, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, that's probably an impossible task. I am not saying that we have to agree with everything that everyone says. We don't have to agree with their lifestyle. I am saying it's not our jobs to judge them because of it. That's not our place. Our place is to love them in spite of it. See, I think the problem with this is that we have this notion that disagreement is a bad thing. I'm here to tell you it's not. Disagreement can lead to great things. The problem with it is it tends to be followed by hostility. And so that's when you butt heads. That's when you argue. Guys, disagreement's not bad by itself, but you've got to do it coming from a place of love. 
You've got to actually listen to the other person, not just always trying to make your points. So that's, that in itself is what we have to practice here. We've got to practice being able to disagree with somebody while still loving them. We've got to practice learning from, either, from others' differences and still coming together. We've got to practice loving others, always, regardless of this situation. And love, as we covered, is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's speaking life into others. Love keeps no record of being wrong. Love forgives. Love does not demand its own way. Love means no judgment. The last basic thing I want to talk about practicing here is the teaching of our pastors. Practicing what you somebody else preaches. See, and I think of this because I see it in my own life and I just have this vision in my head. It's like a timeline of a message here at the church. Right? So we start, we're way over here. It's Sunday. I'm feeling good. I'm worshiping. I'm feeling it. And then the message comes in. The message is really good. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. It applies to me. I'm going to work on this. And so as that week progresses, I'm working on it. I'm focused on it. I'm excited about it. But then the next week comes and I'm back here. I'm like, oh yeah, that that was good. Um, I was practicing it. Then this came up. Life happened. And then finally we get to the very end of the road and it goes like this. Do you guys remember what that message was about? How many life changes have we made based on what we learn here at church? I mean, I always hear talk. I always hear everybody say, hey, man, that was such a great message. Oh, awesome. How many great life, me- how many great life changes have you made because of it? In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and Put it in to practice. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching to to the crowd on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says that his message pierced the hearts of those who listened. And then they asked him what to do. Peter tells the crowd they must repent of their sins. They must turn to God, and they must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the first part of Acts chapter 2. But listen to this. In verse 41, it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. The congregation heard a message, and they acted. But it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. In verse 42, it says, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, I know we've got the sharing meals part down here at the Bridge Church. Our sharing meals game is strong. Um, I know that. Exactly. I tell you what, but can we say we're really devoted to the messages that are taught here? 
Devotion is a strong word, guys. I'm going to have you guys stand as we close here, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We've got to get out there, guys. We've got to practice. We've got to act. We need to, we need to practice because living a life like Jesus goes against our human nature. We are not naturally good at it, so we have to practice having that Jesus nature. We need to practice loving him. We need to practice loving others. And we've got to start implementing these sermons into our lives. We should practice all of this daily and through our entire walk with Jesus. And we, we've got to practice regardless of the circumstance. I know sometimes we're afraid to fail. I know sometimes we're hurt and we feel like we just can't. But love endures through all. And so if we are to love him, if we are to love others, we also have to endure through all. Now that I'm at the end, you might have heard all of this and you might be saying, well, Chris, I've known all of this stuff. This is, this is all basic stuff. I know this. And I'm glad that you do. I, again, I'm not discounting that. But you're missing the point. The point here is that knowledge alone is not good enough if you want to see results. If we want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, if we want more and more people to know God, then we've got to act. There has to be action. Like I said earlier, if you think that just knowing this stuff is good enough, then you're just fooling yourself, like it says in James. If you guys take one thing away from this message, I hope that it is this. Knowledge alone is not good enough. It's the action that gives knowledge meaning. If you want to give the beautiful word of God meaning in your life, then act on it. The first step is having faith in him and who he is and what he has done for us. If we want to spread his good news and help others truly know God, we've got to practice being like Jesus, regardless of our circumstances. Because if we don't, how can we expect results? Look at, look at Jesus' disciples. We just talked about in Peter how he preached, but let's look before that. What would it look like if they never acted? What if the, the Holy Spirit came to them and they remained in hitting? Because what we didn't talk about is what the disciples did while Jesus was being tortured, while he was crucified. They hid. They were afraid. They hid. And even months after his resurrection, they remained in hiding. What does it look like if they never acted? I mean, I'm sure they would still meet, right? Probably once a week. Maybe Sundays. Maybe Sundays they would meet. And they would talk about Jesus. They would tell stories of Jesus, but only amongst themselves. It's okay. I'm sure it would have been fine, right? They'd probably still read scripture. Where have I heard that before? The good news here is that they didn't continue to hide. They got up and they acted. And those actions changed the world. 
They changed my life. They've changed your life. And through us, they can change the lives of so many more to come. If we want to carry on that impact, we've got to act. We've got to practice being like him.